Welcome back to The Postscript, the podcast about films where the discourse ended with an ellipsis rather than a period. I'm Chris Hall. I am Sebastian. And this is Mateo. And on this podcast, we will be reassessing films of recent memory where the discourse was left unsettled. We will try to provide more definitive takes on films that generated a lot of buzz upon release, but their reputations have since become murky, or maybe they've just fallen through the cracks altogether. Movies that make you ask, where are they now? Last week, we discussed David Fincher's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button from 2008, where, uh, honestly, even by the end of the pod, we kind of failed to see eye to eye on on a lot of stuff about (laughs) about that movie. But I I think at the very least, we agreed that it's it's falling out of culture, you know, and kind of the reason we talked about in the pod and its place as the least discussed Fincher film has less to do with with quality or craft or its ability to like resonate with an audience. And more so in the inherent uh, kind of difficult to rewatch nature of the movie, you know, being a nearly three hour patient romantic drama, you know, and and we agreed that, you know, while all can probably admire the filmmaking and the visual merit of the movie, your personal enjoyment and mileage of the movie kind of depends on on how on board you are with the sentimentality and the sincerity of the film. This week, as a kind of sister episode to Benjamin Button, we will be covering Christopher Nolan's 2002 psychological thriller, Insomnia. They brought him in to solve an unspeakable crime. Detective Dormer, it's such an honor to meet you. I'm Detective Ellie Burr. Welcome to Night Mute. So incredible to be working with you. The Leland Street murders was my case study at the Academy. Someone out there just beat a 17-year-old girl to death. Your job is to find him. This guy, he crossed the line, and he didn't even blink. Doing me here. Killing changes you. It's like awareness. Who am I speaking to? Uh, trailers, like, before, like, the mid-late 2000s, trailers were weird. They were crazy. Like, I, I wonder I what this concept looked like. <laughs> We might be like hitting up that romantic comedy Batman Begins trailer. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's like when they somehow found one liners for Robin Williams to say for the trailer. It's like, what? Is this a is this a comedy? Um Good morning, Night Mute Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> I miss when trailers had like uh like voiceovers and stuff too. That was always crazy. And it would be like a, a spooky performance from Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver. It's like they would like say crap like <laughs> a chill. They wouldn't say spooky, but they would say like chilling or something. Now, Robert De Niro creates a terrifying portrait of life on the edge of madness. Tabby, just forget about this. It's nothing. Taxi Driver, a film by Martin Scorsese. This film, uh, which is a remake of a 1997 Norwegian film of the same name, follows veteran police detective Will Dormer, played by Al Pacino, who is sent to a small town in Alaska where the sun never really sets to investigate the murder of a teenage girl. This movie was, for all intents and purposes, Christopher Nolan's sophomore directorial effort, or at least, you know, his second movie with, like, proper funding, we'll say, you know. And it was his first studio movie as the highly anticipated follow-up to his beloved indie debut, Memento. The reason we wanted to talk about this movie is that, similar to Benjamin Button within David Fincher's catalog, this is, without a doubt, the least discussed and, frankly, most forgotten Christopher Nolan film. It's probably the only movie in his filmography you could even think about using the word forgotten to describe it, you know? But unlike Benjamin Button, 
this movie didn't have a gimmick, right? Or, or or really anything that generated like a ton of buzz or discourse in the moment for it. It was a mid-budget, very well-received R-rated thriller that grossed f- uh, about $115 million at the box office. So, you know, pr- pretty successful. And quick side note, um, those movies don't exist anymore. Insomnia's don't exist. Like from <laughs> like, like a mid-budget thriller like that from like a relatively unknown director. Nowadays, it would be a miniseries. Like it would be a six-episode event on HBO Max, but you know, maybe, maybe we can circle back to that. And it's not like there was much controversy around this movie either, you know? So why are we talking about it? Because uh, as is defined in the opening of this podcast, the movies we cover on this pod have typically undergone lots of discourse and conversations that we are trying to put a period on, right? But this movie is essentially the exception that proves the rule. Because in the year 2023, in terms of general audiences, Christopher Nolan easily has the most like widely discussed and debated filmography of any living filmmaker. At least in the past 20 years, I would say a movie discourse. I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, and he's one of the most critically and commercially successful directors of this century. Like his foothold in the culture is like pretty unparalleled at this point in time. And as seen by the success of Oppenheimer, is one of the few directors who's like whose name alone can put butts in seats. But nobody talks about Insomnia. Like people, people do not talk about this movie. It's the only movie of his that people aren't yapping about 24-7. And like Benjamin Button with Fincher, it's 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 the film that someone is to be least likely aware that Nolan directed it, uh, you know. Uh, it was also his last R-rated movie until Oppenheimer, and the only movie he doesn't have a writing credit on, again, something we may touch on again. But it's not like it wasn't well-received, and we just, like, chose to forget about it. Like, oh, like, we we, we don't talk about Insomnia because something went wrong with it. No, <laughs> like, there's there's no reason for it to be a black sheet, you know? But we want to talk about it because it, it, it checks a very important box for movies on this podcast, which is, if somebody were to ask you what people actually think of this film, your answer would be, I don't really know. You know, like there's not, we do not really know what the general consensus or clear take on this movie is. So again, similar to Fincher and Benjamin Button, I don't think we're watching this movie in a like black and white, like, is this good or bad sense? Because again, Nolan is clearly at the minimum a a technical master, right? So the craft, the craft will be there, right? We're more interested to see how this fits into his filmography and where the Nolanisms are really coming through in it. And that actually may be most clearly seen in the differences between his version and the original and kind of comparing and contrasting those. Um, again, we will talk about that more. And then we will decide, you know, what, if anything, what ought to be remembered from this film? Like what ought to have remained kind of in film discussions and in the discourse and might be in what might be worth re-entering the zeitgeist, right? Even Nolan's on the record in interviews, like, like, like saying like, like he was just straight up like, yeah, like this is my most underrated movie. Like, like he literally said that he was like, this is the least <laughs> talked about. Like, I'm still very proud of it. And he says sometimes like once in a while, like a fellow filmmaker will come up to him and like, like that'll be the one they want to like talk to him about the most, which is like so fascinating to me. So it's stuff like that, that makes me really, really excited to revisit it. And, and I'm sure for you guys as well, or for you guys, it's less so revisiting, but just watching it for the first time because neither of you have seen it, right? No. Nope. Wow. Again, it's like, yeah, we are like seven Mateo are not like, like lukewarm on Nolan. Like we, like we are, we are full throated, like Nolan supporters. So the fact that this like, might be the most, this might be the most pro Nolan podcast trio on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm un- unapologetic, that. unapologetic yeah. Nolan loves 
here. Like it's it's not just like like it's it's love. I love this name. Yeah, there are many comma yeah. butts with us. Like we're like we're we're in the bag. I mean, the, the, the true hint was the fact that this pod was started by Tenet. So like, yeah. that should have told you everything you needed to know. Yeah, a yeah. conversation we had about Tenet is is why, why we started this podcast in the first place. And so yeah, this is this is not like oh here come the Nolan skeptics. It's like no, like it, it's we're the type of people like it's crazy that like uh, someone like any of us three haven't finished his filmography. You know, like it's like which yeah. again that is why we were watching is like the crazy paradoxical nature that people like Seba Mateo haven't seen a, a Nolan movie, you know, like that is why yeah. we were choosing it. Cause if they haven't seen it, it's like, well then who is going to watch it? Right. <laughs> like, has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. So I, I want to bring something up because it's interesting that, excuse me. It's interesting that yeah. you mentioned that filmmakers approach him mm-hmm. and, and, and talk about it because this is also a movie that like, I would be shocked if anybody said this was their favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Yes, I don't think like, does. same with Benjamin same. Button, same with Gravity. Yeah, it's it's no one. You're yeah, you're you're getting yeah, like, it's, 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 it's Island for Scorsese. Like yeah, yeah, like uh, not your, you're you're fishing for attention if you say Insomnia is your favorite Nolan. I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> but yeah. like I mean I don't know. Like there's nothing about like critically, there's nothing there to tell me that that this movie would have like any kind of like insane flaws for for somebody to jump on. Yeah. yeah, or like this yeah. is like an insane valley in, you know, all of Nolan's Yeah, yeah, it's not considered like, valley, yeah. Yeah, it, it's not some like, uh-oh, like rare misstep for Nolan. Like that's, the, again, we don't, like because why we're covering is because it doesn't have a clear reputation, but that's definitely not the reputation, you know? Like it's not, yeah. it's not like, oh, like, I guess hit insomnia. It's like, no, like it was well-received. Again, like it can be a silly metric. It's a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like people, like, you know, yeah, critics liked it at the time. So again, I know you two haven't seen it, but what, if anything, what experiences have you guys had with this movie? Like where going, like going into this watch, like what, wh- how does it exist in your brain? The, the word noir is really like the mm. thing that's been attached to it the most is that, you know, it's like right. no one's true attempt at a noir film, um, mm. which has always interested me. And I don't really know why. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't just taken like a swing at it like all these all these nights that I've had to myself. I've never like just popped it on. <laughs> it's um, also I, in, but, in in your defense, it's not very accessible. Like it's rarely on a streaming service. It feels like maybe maybe if Netflix threw it on in in like and in big letters said Christopher Nolan, maybe it would have like a second life, you know. But uh, yeah, and and there's none of like Nolan's recognized actors that are like in a lot of his films. Like this is you know a cast that is like pretty. I mean, it's obviously a good cast, but it's not like, you know, in his bag or the people that he like has come to, you know, none of his boys. With. It's a great cast. Fun tidbit, fun tidbit. Not only his last rated R movie uh, yes, until yes. Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was also his only movie not to feature Michael Caine until Oppenheimer. I yeah. Know, which is and, like <laughs> Michael Caine is this guy. Again, like, not none of the boys. Can... <laughs> you, you know that like him and Michael have like those tea sessions. Uh, um, like that, that from Benjamin Button. Like they've had some conversations about life that are like go deep. So it is cool to see like that the, the pre Michael Caine Nolan some late night um, patio talks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, and it's it is interesting. Like you know we're we're still talking about a, a version of Nolan that was doing like the chalkboard explaining Memento Nolan. So it's not like <laughs> right he, he hadn't discovered the side of him that could like you know orchestrate 
uh, really complex plots. Like he was obviously Whoa. very capable of that. He has the momentum. Momento is a pretty, pretty complex. No, no, no. Plot, I'm right? saying that he was very. He was. Oh, capable I, I like, thought like, he wasn't. Like no, 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 no. Huh? Okay. I was trying to like explain like why it is strange that like this is just a forgotten film because like yeah he was very much like capable as a oh filmmaker. i see what you're saying it's not like he hadn't found his footing yeah is you're saying yeah exactly exactly okay. which i think yeah. is interesting so he like has a great cast with him he's mm -hmm. really good at what he does even though it's just a sophomore effort it's i think that is so and like noir crime thrillers is like <laughs> almost like an easy like money bag you know what i mean <laughs> so there's it's it's so interesting that like this checks a lot of boxes and yet for some reason it's just insomnia heads are nowhere to be found like you, you'd have to go to the arctic to like find them yeah. um, so that that yeah that's what I yeah that, that, that that's that's the real lost city of z is where the insomnia heads ended <laughs> up <laughs> yeah that's the Tomorrowland. land us in the jungle at. with yeah <laughs> although i know it's funny you talk about the noir because i'm let me pull this up real quick because this first I, I i had the clarification about like let's just call it his second film because he had like a very like again like six thousand dollar budget like self-funded with his friend's movie in 1998 called called following again yeah. and, and like it's you know very like him and his 20 was his friends like they all funded it together um and that is a neo-noir crime thriller so it's interesting that like these are like sneaky his roots are like it is 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 the noir you know so i'm very I'm yeah very curious in that way that might be why he's so proud of it too. I, oh, I agree. Yeah. And I think he's extremely film literate. People don't give him enough credit for like actually knowing his stuff. And like, because <laughs> he went to college, he didn't go to film school, which he's, he's definitely known for. And mm -hmm. he was an English major shout out. Cause I was also an English major. Um, I think <laughs> that's like me. <laughs> what makes him so beloved is that he is like this British guy who's extremely well-spoken, but does like, just like the most insane sci-fi concepts and ideas that you know just appeal to like the the, the all like the um serotonin and male brains that he's like, a dude just, is the thing the, like he's a capital yeah. d dude you know <laughs> you know he knows what, what what makes us tick and what gets us excited so it's like it's it's so funny to see him just like this really well-spoken guy like you would you would expect him to be like one of the most pretentious dudes if you just saw him like a picture of him but he's just like <laughs> he, he's also the same guy who can say like Roger rules you know and yeah. it's just like the best the best no thing exactly so I, I now now I'm just getting into a Christopher a Christopher Nolan love sesh but like it's I can't help it. right I'm not gonna stop you I'm not gonna stop you <laughs> yeah Mateo what about you where's this what has been your okay, experience so, with this movie so uh, up until um, I don't know, like 10 hours ago, basically nothing. But <laughs> sure. uh, this morning I watched the original Insomnia, uh, yes. 1997. <laughs> Eric's uh, Skjoldbjerg, shout out. I was like instantly captivated by it. Ooh, um, wow. Like, <laughs> I mean, incredible concept. The, the story, the plot to this movie, which I will not give away because you, you have to be careful because like, Oh yeah. It, like the the logline like description of this movie on so many websites gives away what is one of the most foundational like first act plot twists I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> no, seriously. An amazing insight. And so it. seeing like Christopher Nolan explore this kind of world with what without giving away too much is populated by pretty unsympathetic people. It is really, really has me excited. And 
it it's cool because this movie uh like both both insomnia 1997 and insomnia 2002 from nolan are kind of ahead mm-hmm. of their time uh because you know we we have now a trend uh which which has kind of died down a little bit but definitely like peaked in the 2010s of like sort of the nordic uh, like police thriller noir like detective fiction uh mm-hmm, with yeah. like stuff like you know the girl with the dragon tattoo from david fincher mm-hmm. or you know on television you had the killing and then eventually the netflix remake you know a lot of american and british television and, and film like trying to capitalize off of like a, a very successful trend that you know developed in scandinavia and so this movie came a little a little almost too early to to ride that wave but i'd be interested I, I'm, I'm interested to see like what he's bringing to the table uh mm-hmm. in in terms of in terms of that genre especially because like like if you're not familiar like a lot of these noirs have like kind of a reputation of being like very cold and like subdued and they hide a lot of like kind of like brutality under the surface and it's like very low-key so i that that to me feels like very unexplored territory for Nolan. Um, yeah, like mm-hmm. how he explores like br- brutality specifically. Yeah, like because you know a lot of his movies, and you know, they're it's a part of it is just because they're PG thirteen. A lot of them, but mm-hmm. like his movies, like they don't really explore that much of like like very like repressed and like violent urges of mm-hmm. human nature. Besides the Dark Knight, but yeah, yeah, but like even the Dark Knight kind of the Dark Knight. Uh, in the end almost kind of affirms that like people are better than the Joker thinks they are. But like, you, you don't get like, like kind of like almost like that instinctive subconscious violence. I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is, that is really at the core of, of the story of insomnia. I'm also excited because, uh, you know, I like this movie a lot and, you know, Eric Skjoldberg, the director of the, of the original version is on the record saying that he really likes the remake. Let's go. Okay. And <laughs> Doug, yeah. I mean, like, that's a good endorsement. Like, you know, like, and and normally I'll say this, I'm not really a fan of a lot of these like kind of like remakes. Like I agree. Because a lot of the times, like, you you'll have a remake of of a, like kind of like a movie that was successful, like on the award circuit from like Europe or Asia that just ends up getting an American remake because producers are like, well, we can't really trust people to watch like this in a different language yeah no, so let's just let's just no, yeah. get it let's just get it you know get some movie stars and and put put it into english and you know sometimes you get great movies out of that concept sometimes you get the departed mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. other times you get you know a man called auto and you're like what does this movie <laughs> even exist like no, don't don't tell my grandparents that they listen to this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah like i, I guess like all I'll be looking for while I watch this is like, does this movie have a reason to exist other than mm. it needs to make, we need to get this story and have it make money for an American audience. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I, I'm very, I'm very uh, curious to see where, where Nolan took the story, like you know, where, where it diverges because it is 20 minutes longer. Like the original is like a tight 90, 95 and this one's almost two hours, yeah. which is, which is very, very interesting. And and again, the the first one was well received. Like it's like I think it's funny that like on Letterboxd they have almost the exact same like rating distribution curve, like and about the same average rating, same like on Rotten Tomatoes too. You know, so it's not like it was a 
you know, like, oh, let's remake it, but do it better. Or like, or it wasn't the inverse. Like you said, it's not like, it's not like it's known as like the worst, you know, like the, the, the inferior version. It'll, it'll be very fascinating to see what, what Nolan injects it with to see if, you know, which of his sensibilities he kind of, kind of applies to it. And it, I'm curious. So I do plan on watching the, um, the 1997 before, before this one, um, how prevalent because Hillary Swank is kind of like the, the third in the triumvirate of, of, of the cast of, of Nolan's. It's, so it's Al Pacino, Robin Williams, and Hillary Swank. Very strong, especially in the early 2000s, strong, a lot of clout for those, for those three. Like that yeah. is like, there's a lot also, of- Also Robin Williams movies. in a, Robin Williams, a pretty dark turn for him. It inspired. Oh no, that was like, that was, that was maybe the buzziest thing about this movie at the time was like the kind of uh, subversion of casting. Like, cause he had never really- he already won like an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting at this point. Um, so he was known for having good dramatic work, but he had never played like a dark character like this, you know, like someone with like a an evil yeah. or dark side. So like pretty yeah. pretty inspired casting. And Nolan, like actually I'll just read out what he said. He goes, What I thought of Robin was, well, he's an extraordinary guy to work with, and he really gave what I consider to be a flawless performance. I wound up watching the film Ooh. hundreds of times as we cut it, and I ne- and I never hit that point with the performance where you start to see the acting. Most performances at a point, bits start to peel off in a way, but with Robbins, he's, he was very much in that character. Not that he's a very dark person to work with. He's very lively and friendly and amusing to work with. He really found something within himself. I think it's a very underrated bit of work on his part. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. And you can Love see- that endorsement. I just want to say briefly, like, I don't think it will give Nolan enough credit for being a, like a really good actor's director. Like, everyone's like, oh, he's so good at all the technical stuff. He gets some fantastic performances out of, like, almost every one of his movies. That there's like, and I love, just like, sorry. No, and I love, uh, I love that he always like, he's like very willing more than a lot of directors to cast not looking at the type of the actor and just right. like mm-hmm. seeing something more out of them. Yes. Uh, like, you know, like a lot of like the supporting cast of, of Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, for example, <laughs> it's like a lot of like these, like, you know, like kind of like teen heartthrob characters. No, exactly. Yeah. I, I think he likes like doing like, you know, having subversion in his casting. Again, he's casting a bunch of like pretty boys as like, <laughs> as these like physicists and stuff. And then we see mm-hmm. that like with Styles, you know, he tries to keep acting afterwards. It doesn't work out. So it turns out no one. That's like, a great point. Yeah. No the one's the only person to pull a good performance out of Harry Styles. No. Seriously. Yeah. A great read. No, the, Andy Reed of- <laughs> the Andy Reid. <laughs> And all, and also since then, I feel like we've seen that a little bit more. They're like, oh, let's put a funny guy in an, in an unexpected role. I'm sure that's been happening for as long as time, you know. But like, I'm thinking of like of like a bunch of like Adam Sandler roles or that weird like like that horror movie with like Kevin James a couple of years ago. You know what I'm talking about? It, it was a little small. Whoa! Yeah. No, oh no, yeah, Kevin James. He like shaves his head and is just like scary in it. I don't know. Whoa! Whoa. Like, ah. okay, <laughs> I don't go crazy. Um. But back to what I was saying. So, so Hillary Swank is in it. again. Hil- like we underestimate the grip Hillary Swank had in the early 2000s. She was like, I, I know she won Best Actress at least once, maybe twice. I don't know. Pe- people love Hillary Swank. She she's kind of like again, almost a colleague with, with Pacino in this thing. And she is yeah, she's kind of our our you know, she's she's like the lead police officer in Alaska, kind of a, kind of the vehicle, all, all kind of almost like the the insert for like the the audience. And she is supposed to be like the kind of you're gonna root for anyone it probably is her was because uh, i'm trying to think what if there was like if there even was like a, a version of that character in the 1997 version like what so was there, there is, like a there is a swank character 
there is a she she's okay that is like a how that prevalent is, like is direct... how prevalent is is the norwegian swank character but that is interesting because now that you mentioned that like i didn't realize what character hillary swank was playing in the movie but now that you mentioned oh, wow. it i realize how much bigger the, the hillary swank role must be because interesting she, yeah she's she's important but we don't she's a very important character uh and and mm-hmm. the performance is really solid mm-hmm. but like there, there you don't really spend that much time with her like as a character yeah uh yeah so knowing that now i'm interested to see like what they do to flesh out uh swank's yeah. character who is like the invest she's she's like the lead investigator in alaska and like mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it almost like an antagonist but like a good antagonist that you should be rooting for in yes a way. yes she's That's she is awesome. on without spoiling she she is on the force for good we'll say that but but yeah yeah there there is some there is some that, that is that is a cool that is a it's i mean the plot setup for this movie is so awesome like <laughs> it, it's awesome it's I just, great I can't, I can't, like I one of the one of the coolest that. One of the I coolest story concepts ever. I'm sorry. And Ooh, I will say, I don't dope. know how the sequence looks, but the inciting incident sequence in the Nolan version, that is what I remember most from this movie. So I, so I, yeah, so I watched it for the first time. It was four or five years ago. Oh, um, it's and, amazing. It's amazing. And, and yeah, no, and funnily enough, <laughs> so I watched it with my buddy. Again, not the movie's fault. We started it very late. It was like midnight. And so we, like the Pacino character, became sleepier as, as the movie <laughs> went on. Again, <laughs> not, not the movie's fault. But again, what I do remember most is is the sequence where where the incident happens is like pretty like it's pretty arresting and very visually uh, again uh, pretty pretty gripping. So I'm I'm very excited to watch that again and what other set pieces are are in this film. There's also one line just because I like setting things up. There's one line near the end, well two lines, but really one line that I still think about a lot. Which I don't know, I'm just excited to talk about that later. But yeah, we're, we're gonna say stuff. I was just saying, I was going to ask you about your first viewing of the movie, but now I guess I, I have my answer. The, yeah. the midnight insomniac. Like you try to, you know. <laughs> I, I got method, method watching. Again, I, I wish I had like a stronger opinion about it to, to share right now. But like, yeah, but honestly, this one, this asterisk, that was that was computer science course watching insomnia all those years ago. So this this huh. feels like a like a, a soft, you know, soft reboot, a, a real first viewing of this movie in, in a lot of ways. Um, and I do remember Robin Williams being very, very good. Okay, not a hot take. I'm sure we will all agree there. Nolan obviously agrees, but um, I want to see Al. I love. I was about I to bring late. up Al. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. late, like late career Al Pacino. It, it, it's interesting because I Mixed think he bag. gets like stereotyped. He gets mm-hmm. like stereotyped as this actor who just he's like, ah, you know, yeah, like the, he's the, always uh, kind of like grunting. The the hoo ha dials get, get turned up a little bit yeah. <laughs> in his later years, the, the, but like, he does get stereotyped. Like it, people act like there's not. Like, yeah, like the mannerisms, out. like his mannerisms are so. It's interesting because like early early Pacino, like in The Godfather, did not really have any mannerisms. He's an yeah. actor who like in the modern day is almost defined by his mannerisms, and yet like he can he can still like within that framework like pump out some like incredible incredible acting. Yeah, yeah. So, no, and that was and that was another thing uh, uh, Nolan said about because like, this was the first time he had really worked with movie stars too. Like you know, he had Memento, which had like Guy Pearce and Carrie Ann Moss, but they were not stars at that time. You know, or at least uh, yeah. I, mean, I guess mm-hmm. I guess was Carrie Ann Moss in the Matrix by that point? I think so. No, but again, she wasn't. Yes, yeah, was, yes. Oh, Memento's so. two thousand. Okay. okay, I was gonna and say maybe. Matrix and honestly, maybe all the. I mean, for all we know, it's like uh, maybe he was. Because obviously it's filmed before 2000. Maybe when he was working with her, it's like maybe the Matrix hadn't even come out yet, you know. But um, 
but again, she wasn't she wasn't a star. Like it's not like he was working with Meryl Streep after that. That being said, it was a really funny story. Nolan said of working with Pacino, um, which I wanted to tie it back to. He said, "Um, I'll try to find like the exact quote, but he was saying how like <laughs> it's an amazing story. How he would like after a take go up to Pacino and like give him a note, and he'd be like, I already did that.' Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like obviously with, with not in like a snappy way, but like with a lot of grace, he'd be like, "No, he'd be like, watch the dealies. Like I already did that." And Nolan would like look back at the other takes and be like, "Oh no, he was right. Like he already like." He, <laughs> Wow. Like he, he already did what I was asking from him. Like it's just like it's on the screen. Like he knows he did it, which is That's so crazy. Like, oh, I remember I heard almost the same story with, with David Lowry um directing Robert Redford on, on Pete's Dragon. He was like, Could you do this next date? And he was like, I just did that. Just, <laughs> but again, if you're Robert Redford or Pacino, you can do it. I mean, if if you're Dane DeHaan, you probably can't give that note, but like <laughs> but no, no, no Dane DeHaan. Boy. Father Dane. Charisma, Dane DeHaan. So I found the quote. Like, um, so, so, so Nolan said, quote. I got up to Pacino after a series of takes and, and given him a note on what I wanted. He told me, quote, I've, I've already done that. I'm not going to do a Pacino impression. I've already done that. You can't see it to the eye, but I've done it on the dailies. I looked for it and I was like, oh, my God, because there it was. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, man. There it was. Uh, um, and then he goes, great film actors can do that. And that's what I had with Killian. Oh, that's, that's, that's sweet. <laughs> just, <laughs> just gassing his boy up. Let's go. But no, very excited for that performance. Because again, like Pacino 21st century can, can be a mixed bag. But but I wonder if we're going away being like, oh no, very underrated Pacino performance here. Okay, I mean, that being said, any any final remarks before we dive into this rewatch? I'm hoping the movie doesn't drop off after the first act. Like y'all are hyping <laughs> this first act up so much. That I'm just like, I, it happens. And I'm going to be like, all right, time to sleep. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It, no, it, it kind of, it'll, I don't know. Like the way that it it plays off of the setting and like and like what that character is gonna go through is I don't want to hype up a movie I haven't seen, but like <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, and I will say we talked actually a little bit a little bit about this off mic beforehand, but um, it's very again as compared to other Nolan films, uh, very patiently paced. You know, again, it's it's only two hours, actually on the shorter <laughs> side of Nolan movies, but it isn't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's been so long since I watched it, so I don't know if slow burn is the right word. But again, that's not a word you can apply to many, probably, maybe, if any, Nolan movies. Because I, I, what made me think of it was that, like, you know, don't expect, like, oh, after the, after this first, first act, it's suddenly hurtling and just, like, this roller coaster yeah. going downhill. Like, it's just, it, it's an amazing incident. And then it's just this, like, kind of pot boiler simmer, just, like, building, building, and building. At least from what, as far as I remember, you know, more so, like, a slow coiling kind of maybe around your neck, as opposed to, like, oh. the Nolan just, like, grabbing you by the arms and you're just like, oh, and just like, and like, you're like, <laughs> like and like, your face you're, is you're on a roller coaster, and you're just like, yeah. go, and you're like, breathless by the end of it you know it's it's just so interesting to talk about a nolan movie that where it's like it seems like the peak is in the first act rather than the last act because like almost <laughs> every nolan movie is known for its insane ending that that's it maybe if we rewatch it we're like oh no like third act set piece was our favorite part you know th- th- there's a chance we're saying that we're just saying we know for a fact this there's a very very cool sequence early on but okay and, but okay. That, that's and, good and I've like this better like this thing better hit. We're right in the house. This, movie's mid. this is gonna be the worst pregame of all time. Yeah, no, no. I yeah. Actually, honestly, I've actually seen this take about, and I hope we're not running on too long. I've seen this take about Nolan a lot that he's almost like it's almost the second act is where he cooks most, and it's kind of like the end of the second act because Oppenheimer had the Trinity test. Um Interstellar had it's like uh 
I, I, I that might be mountains. Planet? That might be the mountains, but I know I know the second yeah. act ends with a lot of cross cutting when like the field is burning and all that that stuff. That cuts. Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight Rises, Bane versus Batman. Oh, in the sewers, Silent Night. No, that is the scene. I mean, Dark Knight. Uh, I mean, that's like oh, I mean, like when freak. when when Rachel dies. Like, yeah. Whole, oh my god. Like it's like that's like the interrogation. Oh yeah, I mean, second act, Dark Knight is all the interrogation stuff and going to save Rachel and, and the like, chase, Joker, and in the chase yeah. and like escorting Harvey. Uh, yeah. Okay. So he actually. Wait, is- I was gonna say that take is looking better by the second right yeah. now. Like here. <laughs> You're actually might be onto something. Second acts are kind of his bag, um, which is funny because so many people are like, I don't know what to do in the second act, bro. Like that's like, it's almost the inverse yeah, of a lot of people. It's so um, soft middles are common for, for a lot of directors, but yeah, it, again, very, very, very interesting. Very, very excited for this rewatch. So yeah, okay. Uh, that being said, we will see you all on the other side. Can't sleep, Will. He will taunt you. Share a secret. We know how easy it is to kill somebody. He will torment you. Can't be easy after three days of no sleep. Are you seeing things yet? And those little tricks of light. He will get inside your head. There's a ferry about five miles north of Nightmute. I'll be on at 11 o'clock. I have great respect for your profession, but this situation isn't yours to control, Will. You trying to impress me, Finch? You had the wrong guy. Don't worry, Will. You can sleep when you're dead. And we're back. Uh, we we are uh, we are three sleepy boys who can't seem to to get their bedroom <laughs> can't seem to get their bedrooms quite dark enough. But we have we have some thoughts about insomnia. Let's let's just dive right in. Seb, why why don't you kick us off with your thoughts on on Christopher Nolan's Insomnia? Um, so I, I thought it was a great movie. Uh, y'all weren't kidding about the inciting incident. I mean, y'all hyped it up quite a bit. So I was just kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen. Cause like, this, this and it wasn't spoiled for you. It didn't get spoiled. Uh, no, no. Okay. I was good. like, man, this, this partner's mildly annoying, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out at some point during this movie. Right. Wait, why isn't that guy top built? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's the funniest thing ever when you're like this guy's gonna like 20 minutes in you're like this guy's a lot of screen time but he was not on the trailers like he was not <laughs> on the poster <laughs> like what what's going on here also no, quick seriously. quick side note on that guy we were like oh none of nolan's boys are in this he's one of the boys that's that's mr we live in a twilight say, world that's kind of guy yeah that's why I didn't catch his name at first. <laughs> like, yeah, that's so funny. Uh, in the, in the Tenet universe, bro, I would I would love to see Al Pacino inverted. I would need to see that. <laughs> oh, for sure. But no, I, I I found the the entire film engaging from beginning to end. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to the the wide sweeping shots of like the glaciers, Batman Begins style. I was like, oh, I, <laughs> yes. I turned on the wrong Christopher Nolan movie. Um, but no, I, I thought like it was a great setup to like kind of show how isolated the location was going to be taking place like mm-hmm. where the movie was going to be taking place. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't I I'm not used to Christopher Nolan movies being as uh, character focused, maybe on like a singular character. I, I, mm. I am almost used to like I mean, obviously Oppenheimer uh, it just came out and that is much more like a first person film uh, yeah. for the most part. But these other films are much more like ensemble pieces, to be honest. Yeah. You know, like they have main characters, but there's a lot of uh, moving pieces. Whereas this one very much focused on Al Pacino um, and his journey and just kind of mentally he's uh, wearing down throughout the film. 
overall, I found the un. It wasn't much so as a mystery as it was just kind of a psychological uh, drama yeah. or even mm-hmm. horror in some aspects. I, I want to talk there's about some, that more later. Yeah, of, of the type of noir it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's some shots that I found were inspired by Nolan in here. Mm. It really elevates uh, his interpretation. Um, even though I'm the, I'm the only one here who hasn't seen the uh, the older movie. The, the first one. Yeah. I know you all will get into those comparisons. But overall, as an experience, I think the film hits exactly the beats it wants to. And I think the actors uh, do a really good job of maybe not like overstepping their boundaries. They're, they're, they're really respecting the material, respecting the events of, of uh, the film and um, giving it, I think, a good amount of weight. So I, I, I really appreciated the film. Let's go. Love, love to hear it. Mateo, how about you? I, I like the idea of like the movie, like giving them their boundaries, like giving the movie and, and the material like boundaries. And like, it is a very like kind of restrained piece in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, having seen the, the first insomnia and then going into this, like I did not, I, I, I didn't realize that there would be a, a good amount of differences in how the plot develops past the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. And there are there are mm-hmm. differences, but I, I did appreciate the movie and how I think it adapts. It makes those changes because it's almost adapting to its setting and the context, mm-hmm. and also like having when you land Al Pacino, I think for the lead role, you almost have to make some changes in mm-hmm. in how you decide to to make this movie. And I so I appreciated all that. Yeah, I, I really don't see like I really don't see why this movie. And, you know, we'll get into it, but like this movie does not deserve to be remembered, I guess, as like lesser known. Like this was a fantastic mm-hmm. movie. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the performance. I mean, Al Pacino is like so intense in all the right ways. And like the disgust that he has for Robin Williams and contextually, I guess, for, you know, just so everyone's on the same page, he has accidentally killed his partner, but seemingly has gotten away with it and goes along with the lie and colludes basically with the real killer in the story who's played by Robin Williams to help cover up the crime because he doesn't want to get in trouble for having killed his partner. So the hate that you almost like feel the hate that he has for Robin Williams, like just dripping off, like, like, there's like yeah. that one point where he's like looking at him. He's like, you're as mysterious to me as a block toilet is to a fucking plumber. What I love that line now. The movie, like, it's like Tony Gilroy came in for that one line. Like, that's like... Oh, my God. Yeah. What a line. <laughs> like, and the delivery that's a banger. is perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just just a fantastic time. It's, it's like, strangely, despite the R rating and the extremely, like, kind of dark subject matter, it is it is a very hopeful movie. Mm. in a lot of ways which makes sense for nolan like despite the fact that he didn't write the movie i definitely felt his fingerprints on it which was cool and uh it made for a really really good really rewarding experience i'm I'm glad i finally got around to this yeah no i i i love that and and i and I, i agree on almost every front i think like like you were saying this should not be viewed as as lesser nolan like i think also i think coming away from this movie i think like I feel like us being able to say it's like you could reasonably put this as like mid-tier Nolan, I think is actually a huge phrase. And, and, and yeah, so again, I 
I had seen this movie before, the 2002 version, a few years ago. Again, it had been a while. I hadn't seen the 1997 version uh, before. And so I did watch that before re-watching uh, Nolan's version. And that was actually... It was, a, it was actually kind of a weird experience watching the 1997 one, like watching ha- watching that one after the 2002. And I'll get to that. I'll get to that in a moment. I will say, broadly speaking, um, yeah, I I really really enjoyed it. I had a really really good time with this movie. And there were some like just, I mean, straight up arresting sequences in here. I mean, Pacino and Robin Williams are like dynamite together on screen. Like there are a lot of things I'll, I'll want to shout out, but. I want to I want to kind of go into this go into this little spiel here because I think the way the way Nolan's version the way Nolan's insomnia diverges from the original I think really helps inform uh, it, Nolan's insomnia's uh, like lack of presence uh, lack of presence in the current kind of movie zeitgeist you know which is something we we talked about a bit in the pregame because uh, a part of my weirdness with, with watching the 1997 version. Uh, after having already seen the 2002 one before, is that the the original Insomnia plays around a lot a lot more with with ambiguity in the story, right? Mm. And, and possesses a lot more subtext than the, than the Nolan version. For for instance, in the 1997 version, it's left up in the air. Like at least it never definitively says like who was bruising um oh uh, the main girl the the the, the murdered girl because it's like oh yeah because yeah, I know in Nolan's it's like no like her boyfriend was doing that but in the original it's just like they they never definitively say like they never say it for a fact the thing about the Nolan insomnia is that Nolan does away with pretty much all the ambiguity of the original and, and a lot of the subtext becomes text in the movie right like like and he brings out he leaves out a lot of the kind of like the like dark impulses that the original explores and like and that, and that is kind of you know festering within Stellan Skarsgård's character and, and the interiority he brings he brings but he pretty much brings everything else from the original just to the surface like not not saying it's surface level but things simmering in the original are now made much much more prevalent you know and so like and there are a lot of different ways this manifests itself and, and, and Mateo, like, you know, feel free to jump in whenever you want if, if you have any thoughts on I this. Think yeah, there is there's a cool one of the one of the interesting things I think, like a little wrinkle that the insom that Nolan's insomnia introduces in the script is, and it, it's it's tying it back to real world events because you know this movie came out in two thousand two, and then mm-hmm. like in two thousand you had like the Rampart scandal with the LAPD. Like mm. there was a lot of like real world like insane like headline grabbing police corruption happening in the LAPD that they that almost becomes part of Al Pacino's backstory for sure yeah and and so it gives him a reason to kill his partner because yeah no in on all of this corruption with him and was going to testify against him that's not in the original yeah Pacino Pacino brings in so much more baggage in this one than Stellan Skarsgård did like wow yeah and and, and their ages are like inverted too because in the other one Stellan's younger than his partner by a good year and but this one Pacino's like again older older than Tenet guy yeah he's the experienced guy with a so so and so clean record but yeah yeah it's a much different dynamic and and they are much closer friends in 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 the um in, in the original as well and so it's like more of like a it's like a heartbreaking, like, I can't believe I just killed my friend other than like, oh, this is going to look bad type of thing. You know, it's yeah. it's very, very interesting. And, and so and like I was saying, like Nolan, yeah, I can, we can get to like all the uh, just those character differences. But like Nolan, he he really turns up the dials on so many aspects of the story. One of which and this is like less so like a story thing um, that, that I want to get to. But 
Like, like for example, like the like especially with the like the, the the titular insomnia of it all. In the original, it really isn't until the third act that Stellan starts getting like noticeably sleepy. But Nolan really, really leans into it in this one. And and I really actually I really want to highlight the way because obviously Pacino's doing a lot in terms of like. Uh, you know, it is like we can get to the way he, he plays the sleepiness, but it, it's very, 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 very visible. His, you know, his his increasingly uh, sleep deprived nature throughout the film. And I really want to highlight the way Nolan depicts like the sleep deprivation and the restlessness, because I think we've talked about this uh, on, on other podcasts before, but how sometimes it can be difficult to like succinctly describe or explain to someone someone what constitutes like good directing or good direction and i think it's moments like it's like those 20 seconds when pacino kind of walks into the police office and he's all sleep deprived and things just like a, like the blades on the fan or so many different things and like these like weird rack scenes like he's becoming like hypersensitive to all these like sensory things around him or, or or like the like the the windshield wipers on his car stuff like that is like really really good direction of getting us like on his wavelength and and communicating you know just just the insomnia like the effects that he's undergoing and that, and that isn't really in the original one of the coolest things i think it does and as i was watching it i made i made this connection but you have all of those like kind of like insert shots and there's like these like abstract close-ups and you have like the blood seeping mm-hmm. yeah. you have like you all you'll have like quick little mini flashbacks to like the killing i think i know where you're going with this yeah like, yeah and then i was like this is this almost feels like those insert shots in Oppenheimer. Yes, like, let's go. I thought the like, same thing. Very shout. No, exactly. The like the particle, like 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 the 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 high high res. Yeah, like fabric. I mean, like, if it works burning, in yeah. one movie, you might as well just do it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that you connected that dot. I, I want to I want to shout out the sound design. Like similarly in Oppenheimer, there's moments where, like especially during montages, you'll be hearing like a lot of like um sounds that are not coming from like non-diegetic sounds uh really yeah. cool sound design you mentioned the moments where he's really sleepy he goes in and like here's it's a sensory overload yeah, so, yeah. But, like I, what i thought was a really uh kind of unique set piece was uh the log chase where he gets Ooh. stuck in the water yes. and it's like logs bumping up against each other it just gets louder and louder it's exactly. a really cool way of making that scene really desperate and scary rather than Kind of silly. There's a really easy way to play, make that like. No, I, I I made a note. I was like, Pacino and Robin Williams start playing Fall Guys when they go on the oh log. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, wait, what? And then it turned in, and then the scene turned into just like a like new nightmare unlocked. Like when the when the yeah. freaking like when one of the logs like slams into the other as he's lifting his head at two a.m. Yeah. in my living room. I oddly went, oh, like that. <laughs> I was there for that, and, again, and it, it made it so scary trying directed. to like resurface between those logs you're like oh you, you can't just simply just go back up above like you'll get yeah. crushed so <laughs> and I, it's I like, love that stuff and, and this may sound this may sound so like broad and, and almost like a, like a pseudo insightful take and i hope that isn't the case but i remember on like a pod they were talking about how like how nolan it's like he finds it's like i know you it's like oh that's just movies bro but it's like the audios and the visuals like the audio visual experience is like is where no one finds like the most meaning like it's like he finds he communicates so much more meaning there almost not knocking his scripts but like almost more there than almost like like anything he could sure. say it's like that that is where he is like truly expressing the most and so like and, and there's a quote from nolan where he's like 
where he criticizes studios for like prioritizing plot over the audio visual experience and all that. And so, yeah, so something, something like the way he did, like the pixel sleep deprivation or, or like that log sequence, it's like, and it's something I'll touch back on more later. It's like, what we remember from that is like, again, the way it made us feel, it's like, there may not be, it's, it's, there's nothing to like dissect there. It's just like, wow, like that was really, really effective. And it made me feel a really specific thing, you know? And that's in terms of, and I think that's a little microcosm of like, of, of like I was saying of like the way this movie kind of fell through the cracks or fell of the zeitgeist is the lack of discussion possible for this movie and not, not, not that I'm like I don't know what to talk about in this post watch not what I'm saying but back to back to the movies um you know kind of uh opting out of of, of the ambiguity of the original the, the the way it kind of uh you know veers the other direction like for example like Robin Williams his character has like four to five times as many lines as 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 his his counterpart in the original does because like yeah. in in like true nolan fashion like he pretty much spells out like every angle of the moral conundrum like uh, of the movie as well as the dynamic between like pacino and robin williams and like and he sheds so much more light on, on like on the psychology of robin williams character like because sometimes it it is fascinating seeing all the angles of like an intricate web of options or like routes the characters can take on screen like like the kurosawa movie high and low so much of that movie is just the characters just like deciding what to do they're like well we could do this but th then this would happen or we like we could go this route like they're just explaining but it's really really like fascinating compelling and this movie does do that compelling sometimes but there are like all you know, like other moments where it feels like it's almost kind of stepping on its own toes when it's just like, again, when it's making all the subtext text and it, it's just like making sure like everything, everything is being like stated and, and conveyed. Like, like, for example, when, when like, like when Hillary Swink's character kind, kind of just spoon feeds the audience, the like insomnia metaphor, when she's like, good cops can't sleep because the case still needs to be solved. Like, and bad cops can't because like they have something to hide. It's like, Yep, I'm. Mean, that's that. I was there. We knew that. We knew that. I, I got. I mean, th th thanks, Queen. Like, I like in, in, in case you missed it. And, and so, as a result, I feel like that takes the wind out of the sails. As um, in the pregame, I was like, oh, there's one line I, I really liked and remember from the original, and that was when when Pacino was like, I can't sleep in here. It's so bright, and the reception's like, no, like dog, it's dark in here. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's so dark yeah. in here. And I feel like turn on the lights, and it's like, yes, yes. I feel like that moment, like, would hit. And not in like a coulda, woulda, shoulda way, but like I think a moment like that hits harder if you don't have already have swank. Like again, like here comes the airplane. Like here's the like, <laughs> like, like, like here's what this means, you know. And so I'm like, okay, right. And so and again, like the movie's making definitive statements about things. Again, like who's responsible for the bruises? Like it's 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 leaving no stone left unturned, right? It's exploring every single crevice and corner of the film. Like, like even, even like Hillary Swank's process of, of figuring uh, Pacino's character out, you know, like, like in this one, you actually get scenes alone with her and figuring it, that doesn't happen in the original, you know, like there are, I think a lot about like of the prevalence of a character. It's like, if you get scenes alone with them, then they are like way more important. It's like, you have that in this one, but not in the other, you know, it, it's, it's, it's giving you so much more insight into, into everyone's minds while, while in the first one, it's really just about like, it's a much more psychological like you know, just like Stellan Skarsgård, just like his character's like in like interiority in the way you just have to watch him like wordlessly wrestle with the impulses he's feeling. You know, and it's really it's really all Stellan. This movie is a yeah, lot more it's all Stellan. That, that's just what you said. it's all Stellan. The first one. The players. I think sometimes, honestly, really to to its benefit, I I really do like. I think one strength of this movie, I I really like the supporting cast. Like 
Yes. And you know, absolutely. Hillary Swank's character is, it's interesting because she does have those moments where, yeah, like she's, she is kind of like just the like exposition dump or like spoon feeding the audience. Right. But that character is also like, they, the way that they play her up, she's like very naive, right? Like, yeah. Very green, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I really like that. I really like that choice because, again, she is, you know, in, in terms of the function of the story, right? She's the antagonist. And even though she's, you know, she's a, yeah, she's the good guy. She's the good guy. She's a good guy, but she is, she is, you know, even though she doesn't even really know it, she is opposing the protagonist. She's becoming an obstacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, she's an obstacle for him to overcome almost. And, and the way that like slowly kind of like this person that she idolizes, like she starts to see like who he really is. Like, and then yeah. the end of the film, you have that great moment where she ends up finding the bullet cartridge that proves that he is the one who shot and killed his partner. Uh, and she, she wants to like throw it away to like keep, you know, to like yeah. keep his legacy intact as like Al Pacino's like lying there dying. And then he tells her like, no, like you can't go down the same path that I did. Like, that's a, that's a really like, that's a cool character moment that like kind mm -hmm. of gives the movie almost, it, it, it wraps it up in a much more like optimistic way, but a way that it also feels like suited to like, you know, Christopher Nolan's vibe. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. And again, that's, that's a huge divergence from the original because in the original, Stellan gets away with it. Like, literally, it's like, like the, no, exactly. It's like, oh my gosh, it's great. Like, he, that's like, like and, and, and again, like, they make, they make Pacino, they go out of the way, they make Pacino so much more redeemable and easy to root for in, like, in this movie than Stellan. Like, in, in the original, Stellan, he plants the gun in the boyfriend's room without hesitation. He does it. While Pacino's, like, racing to try to, like, get it from the apartment, like, to prevent this guy from being framed. Selm's just, like, like broke in brick a sweat in it. And, like, and then and then at the end, again, you, off screen, as you, you can tell the, the Swank character in the original is, like, getting a little suspicious. And then at the very end, it's a very, like, uh, like understated scene where, where she's just, like, again, like, Stellan can tell, like, she's being weird. And Stellan pretty much hits her with, like, like the Joel from Lost of Us 2. He's like, if you, if you have something to say, say it. Like, you know, it's like, whatever big speech you have planned. And she just, like, silently, like, like takes the bullet, like, takes his bullet casing or cartridge and just, like, sets it on the desk, desk and just walks away. And he just, like, drives away. And it's, like, a really bleak ending. Like, he just gets away with it. And another example, like, we were talking about this off mic. In, in, in this film, in the Nolan version, Pacino, there, there, there's, there's like a dead stray dog in, in, in like this little alley. And so he like fires a bullet like into this dog so he can have, so he can like retrieve, you know, the like the fired bullet and then swap it with like the one, you know, to, to fire it from the gun of the Robert Williams character and swap it with the one in evidence that's from his own gun. In the original, the dog was alive, like, like originally, which is crazy. Stalin just finds the stray dog and he's like, let me cook, let me cook. And then just like, <laughs> shoots the dog and then like yeah gets the bullet out of it and so it's like and that right there is like a microcosm of just like yeah how how much more like this movie wants to just like be able to root for Machino and also like you can't I said just make it more relatable like just like I feel yeah. like 10% like of the population is gonna shoot a random dog yeah. to save their own life. no Stellan again there are like Stellan gives them some dark stuff in that original and it again when it's, when it's a 50 million dollar studio budget like you know like western film it's like you kind of like uh, you can't really it's hard to make the protagonist like that much of a that much of a gobbler you know like that yeah, like, that, like that that unsympathetic kind of like what Mateo was saying in the pregame so and so yeah like we were saying this, this movie 
again, with the, with the way the story unfolds and the way it, it depicts like the characters and just the dynamics, it, it, it leaves very little to the imagination, the Nolan version that is. And this is something we, we, we've mentioned before in this generally speaking, does not actually say anything uh, about the true merit and quality of the filmmaking, you know? But some movies are just not designed for, for reactionary discussion, you know? And, and we described Gravity in this way. So, like, this movie's decision to opt for, for less ambiguity makes it less conducive for, like, post-watch discussion boards, you know? Like, there's like there's no real, like, twist, you know? There, there's nothing, like... Because from a story sense, there isn't really anything to deliberate further. Like, it pretty much lays out all the cards for you. Like, we know all the facts, and the things are very clearly stated. And, and like we've touched on a little bit already, like, how, like, Hillary Swank is, like, the good guy, but the antagonist who are protagonists, you know? But, like, our protagonist isn't some, like, evil villain, you know? The way this movie's plot unfolds is very unique. While it is a noir, it's neither a whodunit nor, like, a real how catch him. you know? It occupies this very, like, singular, like, niche that... Now, again, like I said, also doesn't contain like any real twists or, or major reveals aside from maybe like the Pacino backstory uh, of him, you know, of like the blood on the on the fabric and everything. And so, like, I, ironically, I actually think this trait of the film may actually make it more rewatchable since no scenes lose any weight once you know something like it's just like it's not building some big reveal. It just full it fully leans into its premise and explores as much as possible. Right. And so there's nothing in this movie, and this isn't a bad thing, nothing in this movie is trying to provoke, like, a buzzy reaction or, or opinion from the audience, you know? And, and there's a flip side of the coin, there are very kind of, like, like polemic movies that, like, desperately want people to talk about them and generate noise, but, like, don't contain much substance. And this is, like, the complete opposite side of the spectrum, right? I mean, I think also an interesting thing that I, I feel watching this movie, like, this is a, this is, can be sometimes, like, a difficult movie to watch maybe only because when you're in the you know you're in the driver's seat kind of with Al Pacino he's the detective and so you kind of want him as the detective to solve the crime like that's that's yeah. kind of like what you're wired to want to see yeah but really what Al Pacino is doing is working against the investigation yeah <laughs> I don't think that's a perspective you normally watch from yeah. your hero I think that's another thing that like if you're watching a movie like this, like might kind of make it harder to remember because, you know, there again, like you said, there are no big reveals. There are like, there are no mysteries. There are no secrets. Like this is a movie that I think demands a lot more from a viewer maybe than some of Christopher. It's, mm. it, it's, it, it might be Christopher Nolan's most demanding movie to watch because of that. Mm. Like, it's not like, you know, like, like every, every move, every one of his movies kind of, has that moment where you're like waiting for it and you're excited to see it. Mm -hmm. And then it happens and it's like, Oh my gosh, like what a spectacle. Exactly. And yes, and he yes. Not, he doesn't really give you that in this movie. I was going to say it's a pot I, boiler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting to an extent. Al does complete his arc by the end of the film by, you know, saying like, don't, you know, don't go yeah. the route that I did. Don't like, taint your uh your record you know be better than me yeah as as he as he dies and i, I have to admit the last words of this film being like let me sleep uh, felt a little cheesy to me but i kind of like it i don't know it's, like I, I, don't know. I know i know it's on the nose but it's like well and then that's a moment where it's like 
that line would maybe feel less on the nose, like, again, without a swank line, without it, like, overtly telling you, like, why he can't sleep, you know? Like, if like if all those things had been unsettling up to that point, then it's like, then that might hit yeah. harder, you know? If it's like, oh, they finally address it, but, like, but, it, but again, it, that is a kind of, like, perfect bow on the arc. It's like they take it, care it of does work as an arc, which is why I'm, I'm a little interested in that comment. I, I feel like Nolan actually does a lot of the work for us by kind of wrapping up his character arc rather than just being like, ooh, like, like, what, what, what was he a bad man at the end of his life? It's like, no, we're, we're pretty sure he's no, a good yeah. man. By no, time he no, like I said, it, it's, it's all the decisions were made for us in this movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I, but yeah, it really comes down to like your, your experience with the film, like whether you, you, you find the subject matter challenging. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the thing. It's like the value this film comes from. Yeah, the, the way the, the way this film engages with its promise, because it, it this movie is very aware of how unique the circumstances and, and the scenario and the framework the characters find themselves in. And yeah, it, and it is unafraid to explore that. Yeah. I'd like to ask both of you, like from the Stellan version, the older version, is that relationship between, you know, the killer and um, the, you know, the main guy, like the main cop, like, is that still there or like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, but it's a lot more unsaid. It's like, again, you get like, yeah, I'm telling you, it, it, a, a fraction, a fraction of exchanges and like, okay. like lines delivered, but you get it. It's like, again, it's all in Stalin's face. Cause like, you can just tell he like resents this guy because like his, again, in an unstated way, you see the parallels between them two. And there's also like this, like, and there's also another thing that happens in the movie, like Stel like Stellan and his woman and like what happens between those two is like, yeah, Again, it's, it's never addressed, but with, it, it, it kind of parallels what happens with, with Robin, with Robin Williams' character, his counterpart, and just like, and, yeah. and the girl. There's a lot more, again, there's like dark impulses. There's a lot more explored there. And so it's, again, it's all unstated, but you can just kind of see, you get some breadcrumbs as to what's going on in the in the bad guy's mind and um, in, in the author's mind. And it's just like, it's just enough for free to be like, oh, this is probably pissing Stellan off, you know? But again, huh. it's, it's a lot more unsaid. But like, yeah, Robin... I robin williams performance mm. he has a lot more to do because yeah a lot more is out there it is i mean it's he's more he defined like, he's way more defined in, by the he's such the a like he's such a manipulator in this movie in in a way that is not really present in the first one he's he's a lot more like obviously the the context of like him like being like obsessed with like a teenage girl is going to make him a creep but like in this version like the way he talks and like how he tries to justify himself and like how there's like that one scene where he's like talking about how he just kept hitting her over and over and over again yeah. and he tries to pretend that it was an accident but like you just know yeah. by what he did that it wasn't that there's a there's a specific line um is this an accident and it says if you want it to be yeah. that was a fantastic exchange that i thought really encapsulated yeah this moral conundrum that he Robin Williams' character, he had solved for himself. He's like, I, I can make an accident if I wanted to be. But yeah, like for Alpatino, obviously it's not that simple. And I love that he's still dealing with it. He never answers it by the end. But so like when she's asking him, like, you know, did you kill him? Like, did you murder him? He's like, I I don't know. Like I like I I don't think I did. But I, I I'm not sure if I saw him. And it makes you question, wait, like, wait, what what was that scene? Because it never like reaps like because there's a very easy way to clichely like replay that scene over and over over and yes. dead, but you only see it the one time distorted. when it happens and yeah. i think that is fantastic like playing on our sensibilities trying to remember yes. wait did he do it on purpose did he see him before yeah. he shot 
maybe the, the only bit of ambiguity in the movie where he's like, did I do it? Like the, the way, again, in, in very Nolan fashion of just like memories and just like time time passing, he's just like, I, I'm really not sure. Like I, I just like, every, everything's just being distorted, you know? No, that that scene where we, what you were talking about, Mateo, and when he's describing what happened on the phone, and it's those very Nolan-y, like quick flashes, mm-hmm. like like, yeah. like, a, like Gene Tatlock dying in Oppenheimer. Those like quick, just like yes. that, like violent flashes. So effective, so effective. Yeah. I love like the first interactions are on the phone though, like him yes. calmly trying to explain the situation, and Al Pacino is kind of like the one who's acting crazy because obviously he's like he hasn't slept. So he's acting a little bit more sporadic and just, you know, very yeah. reactionary, like a killer would. Whereas he's like the one with the calm demeanor, being like, "I don't know why you're getting so upset about this." You know, like, very. I love. I love the first shot of Robin Williams when it's just yes. when when Pacino's in his apartment and it's that si- kind of yes. finchery, kind of seventy, that like yes. side profile of Robin in the hallway, and then he runs and you see him from a distance on the on the fall guy logs later. But he keeps um, looking back. It's those quick cuts where he looks through a window. And you're like, oh, there he is. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, was, no. was there something you were going to say, Mateo? No, 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 no. I, I think, yeah, I know you guys. The, the fairy no. scene? Can I shout out the fairy scene? Oh, that is, I mean, not to get ahead of myself. That might be my, this is why we play. I love, yeah. love the fairy scene. I, like, I, I also specifically, um, there is one shot that I might, I might argue could be the longest shot in Nolan's history. There were, they're both there's a pole in the middle of the frame and they're both like leaning on it um like, oh on both yes sides. yes it's, it's like a two minute long shot and I, i'm like i don't think no one's ever done a shot this <laughs> long before no I, like, i'm so i'm so glad you highlight that now that was like that one spielberg quote i i mentioned on the birdman paul that one time when he was like yeah when your actors are that good he's like you just put them in a two shot and hit record and like, and that's all you need. And like, Just that's let him an example of that. And yeah. I think, and I wanted to choose that kind of as my, this is why we play. Cause I was thinking about Mateo's, this is why we play on Shutter Island when it was just, it was just the, like the, the mm. car ride scene with like the general and it's just two people talking and it's just like yeah. very, very well written, very, very good actors and very fascinating subject matter. I'm like, that's all I need. It's just these two guys sitting and standing next to each other. But like, I, I can't take my eyes away. It's, it's an eminently rewatchable scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you said this was Robin's first attempt at like a villain character, right? I, I'm like pretty was, sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I thought he did a fantastic job. He like incredible. he does like these nervous laughs, these really unique yes. mannerisms. That I think are, like you, it's it's the conviction he speaks with, with a calm voice, but it's like mm-hmm. he's also kind of speaking his thoughts out loud, like trying to justify it. Where he's just like, oh, it's so cool. Like, I'm like I'm so happy to be able to like talk about this with somebody. Yeah. But he's also like not. He's not unsure of what he's saying either. He's like, it was an accident. I'm not, I'm not questioning that. I know it was. So that's what makes him so scary. To be that expressive, but still that cold, you know, yes. it's very, <laughs> thing. It's very fascinating. Proof, yet more proof that Christopher Nolan is one of the few directors who can just look past typecasting. Yes. And yeah. he, he'll, he'll get an actor who's right for the job. And he doesn't care what their past is or what their association is because yeah. he plucked like Robin Williams out of like <laughs> kind of comedy and maybe like more like wholesome, dramatic. Roles. Yeah, wholesome. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make this guy the biggest, like most unredeemable creep possible. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to nail it. He, he yeah. is a creep. Yeah. No, <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and, and like in, I want to touch back. Uh, on something you said earlier, Mateo, of how like, yeah, a lot of Nolan movies are, are built, a lot, a lot of times building up to something. It's just like, here we go, some reveal, some explanation, or some just like spectacle, like overwhelming. It's just like, I can't believe my eyes kind of thing. But again, like this is this is not a puzzle box movie. 
there's nothing to figure out in this film like at, at all like you know like you're dealt the cards and like and it explores every every avenue but again that that's okay because when it's this compelling and and, and interesting of a premise because we, we you know we talked about in the pregame it's like oh what what are the nolanisms we're going to find how is this how is this going to be nolan-y as compared to the original and yeah it, it it's through like it's through that lack of of ambiguity because you know because some some nolan some nolan uh uh criticizers you know some, some nolan critics like may kind of like hark on him for again for just like for spelling things out like like in like i know some people who bump on interstellar the way they bump on it like uh, like on it is that they're like hey like i'm glad nolan did all this like scientific physics research for it he doesn't need to explain it to us in the movie you know it's like <laughs> like it's like like they, they they kind of bump on like on just the sheer amount of like exposition and all that yeah so it makes sense that the nolan version of this film is is doing away with the ambiguity and just in mm. leaning it is trying to drive home again, like this feeling and this experience, like more than anything else, you know, like it is just, and, and maybe I'm not, I'm not stating that, that, that eloquently, but like all of his other movies, they're very, very defined, you know, and, and it wants to like find its lane and, and just like maximize it like a, yeah. a, as much as you can, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. A, a, any thoughts on that front from you guys? I, I think, so one of the interesting things that I saw that kind of goes into the Nolanism of the movie is like the idea, this movie definitely walks away with kind of a, a thought that like, kind of like that. And I, I mentioned this before, like that hint of, you know, that kind of like optimism about uh, Hillary Swank's character, yeah, um, which felt very Nolan-y. I do think it's interesting that like, in spite of that, like there are a lot of like, Kind of unstated reasons that don't come to the surface as much but are and they're not even like implied so much as i just see it on the screen but it's just not said yeah. where like she, there's a lot of optimism in like kind of how the movie ends like on the like what they're showing us level but also there's there's a lot of reasons not to be optimistic in like how all of her colleagues act in the movie seriously like <laughs> Yeah, they're they're all like very unsympathetic, and it's like, you know, even if you d turn, you know, even if you like turn on this like straight path, like there's all these other cops here that are just mm -hmm. like boomers. You know, they're not like you don't see them doing these like overt like corrupt acts, but like they also don't particularly care about the truth mm -hmm. in the investigation. Like they're not very invested or hardworking the way she is. They like, just want to close the case. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, yeah, man, like. The, that's i think where like i'm walking away thinking this movie is is interesting for those moments like like this movie is maybe like maybe almost like lacks awareness of how <laughs> dark it is <laughs> no one really tackles the, the injustice of uh the the police system everything he didn't get to cover in here he does in the batman movies mm, yeah so <laughs> right yeah, so pretty much. I, speaking of the nullisms though i, I want to shout out i i gotta imagine the scene where he's like he goes to the interrogation to hide the gun and it's intercutting between like the cops like getting the the warrant and trying to get yeah, to the house while yeah. he's trying to hide it and that intercutting classic nolan i have to Great. imagine he cross cuts was, as good as anybody yeah yeah i was gonna say i have to imagine that was probably done better than the nolan version then yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, that's not in. Oh, I mean, that's oh, not even in the original. Yeah. I thought he said he hid the gun in the. First oh, place. well, I mean, no, he he hides the gun, but like, oh, <laughs> under the kid's bed. Yeah. Wow. No. Yeah. Oh no. He goes there himself, and he just does it, and then, yeah, then like, 
something Nolan would not put in his movie follows like while while he's, he's trying oh, to get, no. while he's trying to get away. We just if if you know you know, but like yeah, okay, yeah, that's, well, good to know. Um, the other Nolan is so yeah interrogation scene. We have another interrogation scene in here that I thought was actually done really, really well. I don't know what exactly he said. He's like, if he's the good cop, like, I don't want to see the bad cop. I don't you know? want to see like, the bad one. Yeah. That, was like, that, that honestly also, could be in the dark night. Yeah. I, I love just the, the dynamic of that interrogation scene where he's like, yes, they're both in on it at that point. Um, and he's they still going at him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't really know what the other, like, there's no plan going in, which makes it kind of an interesting dynamic that they're looking at each other. Like, what move are you gonna play? Like, how how do we like? He's looking at me. He's like, oh, I'm pretty sure he hit the gun somewhere like in this spot in, in his house, and he's like, wink, wink, basically looking yeah. at him. And um, <laughs> maybe in one place out. or several. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to leave, but they won't let him. So he's like, okay, I gotta like create a scene so they'll kick me out. And so I, I thought that was like like really well done. Um, you know, as it's a different type of interrogation where it's like. Never gets violent, but it has it has its own identity. And and those are the kinds of mind games. I can see why Nolan was attracted to the script because yeah, he yes. loves that kind of like like yes. you know like mind versus mind like yeah kind of like competition and game. Absolutely, you know, he's he he loves that theme. You know, he comes back to it in the Prestige. He comes back to it in the Dark Knight. Like and and you see a lot of that here as well. Mm-hmm. Great shout, one hundred percent. And if we're talking about again his like you know, Nolan moments, that opening shot of like the the multi-paneled like mirror shot, you know, of, of like the flashback and like the drops of blood on his on his oh, sleeve. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I'm talking about? I, I I can't really put it into words, but that's Nolan Gore. Like that type of shot, <laughs> like, like the refractions in the mirrors and just like yeah. I, I, I don't know, like it just it's, it's like when you know, you know, type of thing. <laughs> yeah, and I love I love the context where it becomes the story about him planting the evidence. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, that was like that was brutal. It was a yeah. very effective uh, image for yeah. sure, and like that final yeah. reveal. Yeah. Yeah. And he has what? no regrets too. That's the best part. He's telling that story. He's just like, yeah, just by the means. Yeah, yeah. Very, very, very interesting. And, and also, just I mean, visually speaking, uh, I, I mean, this movie hasn't really aged visually. It, it looks very, no. very good. Again, Nolan no. will always go on location. Um, but I mean, uh, the fog scene, the inciting incident. Yeah. yeah amazing. Yeah. Just a very, an amazing movie environment amazing setting for that set piece love i mean yeah. like apex mountain for fog i mean it's up there like be- best fog <laughs> in the movie very very good uh very very uh, you know it's, it's love so that story scene yes like it's a the per- sound design is so good too like yeah it's oh, a perfect yeah. manifestation of insomnia because yeah. brain fog when you're sleepy it's yeah. just that that's literally what it is is you just feel like you're yeah. walking around it yeah yeah, sorry. I, I just um, um, amazing, amazing sequence. Well, what did you think about the scene where he like when he realizes that he's shot his partner and he goes up to him and they have like an exchange? It's not like he shot him and he was like dead. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, no, because because there's that heartbreaking like he thinks he did it on purpose. Yeah, it's that's terrifying. Get away from me. Yeah, like I mean that is terrifying. That is like the idea of like dwelling on that for the whole movie, like. And because it's not just the guilt that he killed him, but then like he has to think about how like that his last moments were just like he thought he was afraid purpose. of him. Yeah, yeah. like which, that'll be his last tough. memory of him. Like which, it's a great story. It's a great story. Yeah. I want to talk about though. Again, we, we we've talked about you know so many things we we appreciate and and enjoy about 
this movie. But I, I mean, like for reference, I mean, Seb, you did give it a three and a half, you know. So I, I want to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear where where you may have bumped on it. So yeah, where I think that uh, I think sometimes this movie maybe uh, loses the forest and the trees a little bit. Where I I'm mm. it, it feels like it's genre flipping a little bit, and I'm not. I'm not sure what kind of movie I'm sitting in where like, I feel like Nolan is very typically consistent with tone and he's just like always operating in a similar bag. Whereas there'd be scenes where pacing wise, I'd, I'd feel a bit uneven where it's like, wait, are, are, you know, we're focusing on the moments where he's like, he's really disoriented in sleep. And now he's like at work trying to like, you know, hide uh, himself. And now he's working with the bad guy and now he's back with trying to like, hide, I don't know. I just didn't really like how the story flowed at times where I was just like, I would rather it stay focused on one of these aspects for longer than maybe like one scene. Cause it'd just be like a scene of one thing. And then we're doing maybe B plot and maybe even C plot, then back to a, and I, I, I didn't really find the pacing, uh, very jointed. Uh, I, I still love the first act. The setup was great. And yeah. so I was all in after that inciting incident. It's just like, yeah getting to the end felt a bit or like very bumpy at times for me i'd say Interesting. Um, so okay, yeah. yeah i can i can see that i think you know where the the second move or where the original like kind of handles the post sh shooting kind of just with like a very consistent slow burn this movie mm -hmm. is like kind of jumping around and sometimes will like accelerate and decelerate very uh a lot of know, other like, stakes than just like how is he handling this incident yeah right now it lurches it kind of lurches forward sometimes I, I definitely i definitely see that yeah yeah see that criticism i also um, would have liked more from hillary to be honest like she's <laughs> yeah i i oh maybe maybe this is my fault because like y'all were like hyping her up like it's like oh she's got way more of a role in this one and, and like <laughs> And I was watching, I was like, dang, like, she's only getting like, you know, like very few long lines to work with here. Um, <laughs> and, like, I mean, especially by the end, she has a pretty, I mean, significant uh, stake in the story. She's a lot uh, more interesting in the third act. She's kind of, it's like an archetype. Like first, a background right character from the first two, almost. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would have preferred more from her, uh, definitely. Valid, yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously it's important to still stick with, stick with Pacino um but like yeah no, but no. but I, I know what you're saying of like maybe just like making her a, a little more than just like the very green cop you know yeah but, although i will say one thing i did like about like her is that she like and actually maybe this uh this uh sets up this uh next segment um oh. <laughs> one thing <laughs> one thing i want to talk about is how so so i i, I like swinging this movie because she looks like she could be a cop you know like so like sometimes it, it, it's it's like the it was like when dakota johnson was in that period piece and it's like you no know, like she got iphone face it's like, I know she's seeing an iPhone. And sometimes you see like an actor or someone as like, like a cop or in some position. It's like, I'm seeing like Tobey Maguire in like a military uniform right now. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I'm buying this. And like, you you, you can buy the physicality of, of that performance, which I really, really like. But one thing, mm. I, don't know if I, I don't know if I said this up properly, but I, I want to start here with, 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 with a new segment I want to do on this podcast every single week. And that is, and we, we talked about it unintentionally a bit last week, but if Tim Robinson were in this movie, oh my what god, what what role would he play? I I I have my answer, but I want to know what you guys think. Tim Robinson. If Tim Robinson, uh, oh, I think and he's just Tim Robinson just, was cast in this movie. Who would he play? Like, okay, I, unhinged. Oh, I is he just doing unhinged 
comedian persona. He can do whatever you want him to do. He's like, it's just how are how are you using Tim Robinson in this movie? And I, I, I so this is kind of like a really weird one. I don't know if this works, but it might work. There's a bit that I thought was really funny, like a good Nolan piece of humor, where he's like do, doing the switching of the bullet in the car, and as soon as he presses gas, he almost hits someone. And yeah. like, what the hell is wrong with you? I feel like Tim's oh, like, yeah, like, pulled off that line that really one well. scene. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a little one-off, or like I feel like he that line reading he that'd be a fun one-off. That'd be a fun one-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like any, I think any one of the other cops in in of the night mute, like kind of police. (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of those guys, like they're they're all kind of like goofballs. Like they're all goofy, but they're also like kind of like they're also kind of like very like kind of macho, like sleazy type dudes. Mm, Yeah, and it's like. I feel like he could play that so yeah. oh yeah <laughs> okay so 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 here's what i was thinking i was like at first at first i was like okay like maybe he could play like his partner you know like just this because i could imagine the death scene being like hilarious with those yeah he's like, no you shot me you shot me you're my partner <laughs> just like just doing all these things how tim robinson played the boyfriend of of the girl who died but the character's age doesn't change he went hot american summer it like he's playing like a 17 year old like you know, oh, <laughs> just like dressing down al pacino He's yeah, it's the only like, person who could do that. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm about like, sitting in a high school classroom. And yeah, just like <laughs> absolutely like smoking a cigar to look as like cool as he can, but like just absolutely having no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> That's pretty funny. If we were, if if Insomnia was once again being remade in 2023, um, mm. from from the tone and direction of, of the Christopher Nolan version, who would we recast as as the three main roles of, of Pacino, Robin Williams, and Hilary Swank? Who, who would you guys cast instead? I have I have my picks. I, I have some options. If, if you want to hear yeah, them first, let me know. Do you want to hear what, what I was thinking first? Or do you want to think first? I need time I, for this. <laughs> I, need, I need to think. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, I, I this is kind of a dumb answer, but like, if we just get, you know, just get like some good de-aging CGI on Al Pacino, he could do this <laughs> again. I, I I mean, like, after, after watching Heat, you know, mm-hmm. where he, like, kind of the perfect, like, LA cop, performance like he yeah, he feels yeah. like so right for this for this role but oh man like who would it even i got be? one for you for pacino okay. i was thinking i don't know if you, uh, um if either of you have seen true detective season one but yeah. i think mcconaughey c- could do the pacino oh season. yeah wow. yeah. Okay, interesting. He, yeah he does that like he does yeah. the sleepiness bit in detect in true detective a bit and he can do a little bit of unhingedness i think i think mcconaughey is is the pacino replacement mm-hmm. a little interstellar reunion for Robin Williams, for sure. and, and I promise, I promise, there's more critical thinking here than just like, oh, who's another funny guy that could do this role? If he's, if if he's able to 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 do the coldness and the dark side of the character, I actually do think Adam Sandler could do it because he could do the gentleness and the insecurity of that character. Mm, Adam Sandler, that's an interesting one. I do like it, that. I was, if if he could sell us on the dark side, I think he could absolutely do it. Like, because I could see him in those interrogation scenes. I mean, I'm imagining. On either side of, he, he could e- equally play the, um, you know, he could equally play the LA cop and also play the the Robin Williams character. But yeah. Bill Hader, oh, I like that a lot. Oh, Hader could cook in this. Hader could cook. I, I also know, think just is- thought of this one. Maybe maybe Jamie Fox for the Robin Williams character. I could see him doing that really well. 
I think he can do the in the like pseudo innocent naivete of it, you know, but he's also an unbelievable actor and can turn. Again, boring, boring answer, but I mean that cop Denzel every day of the week, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like that's like that is his bag, is the thing. Like that's yeah. like, like oh Denzel's my god. Like, you cheesy, bet the like, house on that. I was gonna say I, I was gonna throw Paul Dano as for the for my answer. Oh that's kind of easy. Um Hillary Swank. If you age her by like a couple years, three or four years, like wait a little bit, Haley Steinfeld can maybe do it. I think that that and I, I know, I know, and I know this person's stock isn't huge right now, so it's like it's easy to be like, oh, I don't know. But I, it's like uh, Brie Larson did come to mind as well because she has the physicality. Hey, for yeah, that. no, sure. I, I will say though, if we were Mateo, if we were recasting for something more in the line of, of the 1997 insomnia, Michael Fassbender could absolutely do the Stalin. No question. It's also a very like mid 2010s Gosling role of how like internalized it is, but Fassbender would the darker and like nastier sides of it. Fassbender. Kill. yeah he would mm. smoke that okay uh, i i thought that was fun just because it's like because the movie's been i mean this is the the oldest movie we've covered so far in the pod i mean it came out 21 wow years ago. yeah yeah I guess you're right but which is why i'm like i felt like this warrant today like if we were to recast because so much time has passed you know won't be able to do this for like every movie but i, I thought it was fun for this one the, the third iteration of, of insomnia the third the third <laughs> insomnia my favorite trilogy yeah um, <laughs> in threenia um okay yeah yeah let's let's dive into this is why we play okay yeah. so yeah all right so this is why we play for me uh we have not mentioned this scene at all okay but it's one okay. of my i mean it's my favorite scene in the movie Whoa. when he is driving he uh oh he's with he finds uh and he, this is still where he's kind of conducting the investigation the fact yeah. he has not met robin williams yet but he talks to the boyfriend mm-hmm. and he sees that he is now like hanging out with a different girl. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then he like goes on a drive with her. Yeah. And like she, you know, like she's like almost like making these like advanced, like weird kind of like advances yeah. on him. And like yeah. he, it's, it's flipped he, like, in the 1997 version. Crazy vibes. Threatening to like, drive the car straight into the truck and then yes. swerves out yes. the yes i know he'll move first yeah. the, the, the like the tension is so like palpable and like and it keeps going up and al pacino can match that energy al pacino yes. always match the energy of the scene and he goes to the dumpster and then you know he's kind of like waiting around the, these like piles of garbage yeah. and like he's like in a garbage like, bag yeah yeah he's like eating her he's like almost like He's just like verbally just assaulting her, like trying to get what he wants. And like, and then, you know, all time, all time line delivery from Al Pacino, like, this is where he found her, wrapped up in garbage bags. (laughs) That's like, no one can do a line like that quite like Pacino. And I know we did our recasting thing, but we haven't really talked about Pacino specifically that much. I, it's a great Pacino performance. I, I think Nolan gives him like, like the perfect amount of room to add, like the you know the color and flair that that, that like only he can, you know. But the he wrapped in garbage has bags. he has them reined in though. The wrapped in garbage bags, you know, like that's all. <laughs> you still get those. You still get those. Yeah, exactly. Best sleepy performance I've seen. That's for sure. Best yeah. sleep. You're absolutely right. Like that's and again, easier said than done. Like that's not like a 
It's not a typical performance. Yeah, sure. that's not like not, it's not like every actor has that in their toolkit, you know, like in their belt of just like, <laughs> okay, now be four days sleepy. Like it's a really like clear, you know, progression yeah. or degression that he goes on. So no, yeah, good, good shout. Like he's definitely he's on a very specific frequency. He's not just like you know who hine for two hours. Like it's very, right. very, no, very, very good performance. He is he is in that character the entire time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that, love that. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. So, what's what's your this is why we play? Uh, it's a shot that was, oh. is happening when um at the very end he is trying to cover up the sunlight in the room. He's kind of going a little crazy, trying to pack his bag at the same time. Yeah. And he looks behind him, and there's a shot of the partner Ooh. in the shadow, the hallucination, down, who's watching him, and in like in almost like a disappointed way, like just turns away and looks like and looks away from him yeah and i was like what a fat like, that was like the only time he really showed up as a hallucination in the film it was at the very end yeah like it's just quick just approving this like look at him and i was just like well he shows up at one other point where like they're doing the search and whatever but like oh yeah yeah i, yeah, yeah. I just found this one i mean it was like it was shot so like immaculately shot like a like, horror movie yeah yeah it, I, I found it super effective no music just yeah. let them let the shot sit with you I, uh, th- that's a great pick, and I'm loving that we're unearthing the, these uh, these insomnia Oppenheimer ca- kind of kind of connections right now because it's right. like because people are talking about how uh, Nolan is using some like horror filmmaking techniques and and Oppenheimer he kind of is here too, especially with sound like almost like like minor jump scares at points. I'm not gonna be like, oh, this is actually a horror movie, not my take. But like, but there are little elements, little flourishes that have have you know some 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 horror stuff in here. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like. When we do this is why we play. It's it's why we make movies specifically. It's not like mm-hmm. oh what a great moment. It's like you don't have a silent shot of someone looking at you disapprovingly mm-hmm. in any other medium. This is we, we make movies so we can have moments like that where you feel unsettled looking at that quick shot. Yeah, it's like th- yeah. this is why we we put in all this effort. Yeah, and, and so why we mine was like the fairy scenes, like just like just to have people that talented just sparring yeah. like that on camera. It's like that's like so electrifying to see you know mm-hmm. really really love that so okay i mean that being said if we are going to you know kind of kind of put a period on this discourse right and and sum this all up and like the legacy of this movie in a nice bow or maybe what its legacy reputation should be what are we saying what are we saying don't sleep on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like this is a you know a christopher nolan movie which, mm-hmm. you know, despite the fact that it's the only movie he didn't write, uh, and it's like, you know, kind of out of his wheelhouse, maybe in terms of the genre, uh, it, it, it still has all the marks of, of him as a director. And yeah, I mean, it, it feels kind of, it's kind of disappointing that this one almost slipped through the cracks, even though I yeah. understand, you know, I almost, I understand why, because like, this is a movie that like all Christopher Nolan feels somebody who, it is a director who's like very kind of tapped into the modern day and what the modern audience member is looking for. Mm. And this movie, this movie feels like a movie of the eighties and the nineties mm. and not like a movie of, of, you know, the 2010s of the now, which all of his movies very really kind of do feel very modern. I, I don't think, you know, if you're somebody who appreciates, you know, movies of the eighties and the nineties, like, if you're somebody who likes going, who appreciates that kind of film history, like this is still like a, a fantastic, like police film. Like it has a, an incredible premise, great acting. It's like, it has all the ingredients of a great movie. Mm-hmm. Like 
so the, yeah, there's, there's almost no reason to sleep on this, you know, I, mm -hmm. it's hard for me to find like a good reason to, to just like set this one aside. That's yeah, exactly. I think it's just a film and no one's filmography. Maybe it got lost because he's just accomplished such incredible feats yeah. as a director that you're just almost like, it's, you know, like it's, it's, and, it's and anyone story. else scenario. It's yeah. a good film but yeah, for anyone else. It would have been lauded as like, wow, that's like a really, some, uh, yeah, really it's good like, remember this banger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's like, well, when are they going to make an insomnia again? You know, it's like someone like yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. And he's not, yeah, he's not really pushing the, the, the medium forward in this movie, but right. I don't think that takes away from. Yeah, from yeah exactly. I, I was I was thinking this. It's like for people, for Christopher Nolan fans, for people who are fans of Christopher Nolan's work, and if you're like, oh, I would, you know, like if you're like, I would like to watch all his movies. This film is not homework. Like this isn't a like this is like this no. isn't just a box you need to check, right? And like we talked, we kind of had a conversation about this, like with Benjamin Button, but like I think it applies even more here. It's like like what you like or maybe even dislike <laughs> about Nolan because we talked about like the ambiguity and stuff a bit is very much so in this movie. Like, it is a lot more in conversation with his other films than you may expect. Again, like, we were just conversing, you know, just now about it. It's, it's kind of, you know, uh, shared DNA with Oppenheimer. And it's also, like we were saying, of equal merit to, like, it doesn't stick out like a sore thumb quality-wise in, in his filmography in the slightest. Like, it's, it's a Nolan movie through and through, right? And, and the lack of buzziness or, like, cultural stickiness to this film it, it it's just kind of the nature of the thing of, of the nature of this type of movie you know like it's not Loki. It, yeah. it, it, it was it was not yeah 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 it's not bred for like you know like reddit discussion boards or or reddit theory yeah like again like like screen rant theory articles again and we kind of we said this about you know like gravity and stuff as well it's like there's not much on the margins of this movie to discuss it's just like it's just it's just a really really solid product you know so yeah, okay. That being said, uh, you know, any any last last thoughts on your guys' mind? I mean, movie lived up to its title. There's a lot like more sleeplessness than I expected. Let's go. <laughs> and that, yeah. I, I, I'm glad you say that because again, like in that in the original, I was I was a little bummed by the lack of sleepiness. It's 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 <laughs> it's not like you don't get sleep. You have to earn sleepy Stalin. It's like minute seventy. It's like I'm seeing some bags under his eyes. And but you know, <laughs> by by minute thirty, he's like, oh, oh, oh. like he's, oh. he is, bro is out of it. And yeah. yeah, and those are some of my favorite sequences of the movie is is the depicting of that of that sleep deprivation and kind of a like, you know, not really finding this anywhere else. Yeah, because again, it's not like this movie doesn't have things unique to it. You know, like actually, it has a lot. Again, it's a very very pretty singular and 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 fascinating unique like framework and premise like. And, and, which is why I'm like, this thing's a lot more rewatchable actually than, may, than maybe I anticipated because it's like, I don't know, it has a very unique lane that it's running down. But yeah. Okay. That being said, thank you all for listening this far. And next week, uh, a very uh, uh, unorthodox episode because to to commemorate the release of Ridley Scott's Napoleon, we're doing, it's, it's a little double feature moment. A little double Ooh. feature. We will be watching Prometheus and Alien Covenants. His kind of Whoa. his his uh, uh his alien legacy sequels, right? Or his his prequel sequels, however however you want to pronounce, <laughs> however you want to define them. It's uh, the, their oh, existence yeah. is kind of weird, but it's Ridley, you know. So very very excited to, re to revisit. What time for Michael Fassbender? You know, he's got the killer ba out and Fassbender <laughs> is back. Fassbender, is, <laughs> I, I'm hearing Fassbender's been cast in the new Insomnia too. That's crazy. <laughs> Whoa. 
Fat being celebrated week. twice in one week on the postscript. I yeah, truly, truly. We got to bring him up every week. Yeah. <laughs> who would Tim <laughs> Robinson play and who would Michael Fassbender play? Um, <laughs> I can't even imagine those two people in the same room. No. <laughs> Michael Fassbender. No. Like, they can't occupy the same space. That's no. Let me think about this the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> thank you all for listening this far, and we will see you next week. Bye.